if there are any vitamins that you would like to sample while you're here. Thank you. From the vitamin table. This is the uh, the fountain of health over here. I think it's totally time for you to have a beer if you'd like to go for it. Well, hello, ladies and ladies and gentlemen. It's me, Jake Johansson, and welcome to episode 75 of the Jake This of Jake Johansson podcast. It's still me. You're still here. Oh, boy. How are you? Guess what? It's episode 75. Tis the season to be jolly. I hope that you're jolly, because tis the season. I mean, you can really be jolly anytime. Let's face it. Let's not only be jolly right now in this season, because frankly, I don't know when you're listening to this. So uh, whatever season that is, tis that season to be jolly. Hey, you know what? What a great what a great week this is. I've got a great guest, my friend Derek Hughes. He's magical. I've mentioned that to you before, and he was at the uh, benefit for my kid's school, and now he's on the podcast. It's funny, really, when you try and figure out how these things get booked or scheduled. But uh, that's just a journey inside my mind. And if you would like to uh, go on a journey inside my mind while you're looking at my body, here's some places where I'm going to be doing some comedy shows. Hey, on December 29th, there's still time, 2013. It is not over yet. December 19th of 2013. I not December 19th. Don't be ridiculous. December 29th. 2013. December 29, I'm going to be in Hollywood, Florida, back in Hollywood, Florida, at the Seminole Hard Rock Casino for a comedy all-stars show with Dom Herrera, the great Dom Herrera, and Tammy Pescatelli, the great Tammy Pescatelli, who has been a guest on this show. I think if you can go back and check your archives of your episodes back in wherever you file those on your hard drive, you could listen to Tammy, and then you could come see us if you live near Hollywood, Florida, which is near Fort Lauderdale, Florida, which is even near Miami, Florida. December 29th, I'm going to be down there having some fun with those two uh, great comics and, uh, and also people who I consider friends. January 3rd through 5th, 2014. That's right, it's going to happen. Don't start writing that on your checks yet, though. I'm going to be at Gotham Club in New York City. New York City, January 3 through 5, Gotham Comedy Club. Looking forward to that. It's going to be in town editing my special as well. January 23 through 26th, I'm going up to Edmonton, Canada. Oh, my Lord. It's going to be cold, but we're going to be warm. Warm feelings and warmth in our hearts and also delicious alcoholic beverages will be served at the comic strip in Edmonton, Canada at the uh, Edmonton Mall. So come on out there. I'm looking forward to that weekend of life in the mall in Edmonton. January 29th through February 1st, I'm going south. Not south of the border, but I am going down Texas, Texas way. I'll be in Addison, Texas at the Addison Improv January 29th through February 1. And then February 13th through 16, Columbus, Ohio at the Funny Bone. Columbus, Ohio, February 13th through 16th, February 19th to 22th. I'll be in Austin, Texas. I'm going back to Texas. That's right. January and February are Texas time for me and you. So if you're in uh, if you're in Austin, February 19th through 22th, I'll be at uh, the Cap City Comedy Club in Austin, Texas. Haven't been there in a while, so I'm really looking forward to going back there. I'm hoping to be on the Dudley and Bob Morning Show. It's good. Well, I'm going to do all the fun things that you can do in Austin when I'm there, February 19 to 22. And also when I'm in Addison, we're going to have fun there. So you can 
do some driving. If you live in Texas, do some flying. If you live in Canada, uh, let's be together. Anyway, that is that. I was just in Canada for a couple days doing this uh, corporate gig up in Vancouver, and uh, that was pretty nice. I, I note Canada is going to stop mail service. They're going to stop delivering mail. Not service. They're going to deliver mail. But if you live in a city, you're going to have to go pick up your mail at the post office in the city. That's how they're doing it in Canada now. They're just getting ready to shut it down up there, uh, I guess. Um, you're going to have to pick up your mail at the post office, and then uh, shortly after that, it's uh, catch a beaver and good luck. That's how Canada's rolling. Um, anyway, I did have a great time in Canada, and I was surprised that you're not going to be able to get mail delivered to your house. But you know you can still get delivered to your house? This podcast. That's right. It goes right into your house house pod phone computer thing. Um, so that was a big that was a big uh, big news for me in Canada. Here back in America, we still get mail at our house, and so thank God, all those flyers and junk crap coupons are still coming in just in time for the holidays. Tis the season to be jolly. Um, it's almost Christmas time, 2013. If you believe in that type of thing. Even if you don't, let's face it, it's a pretty nice time of year. People are generally half-decent to each other. So even if you're not down with Jesus and whatnot, you can at least enjoy people being nice to each other. Um, my guest this week on the podcast, as I mentioned, is Derek Hughes. He is a very funny comedian and also a magician. He's a comedian and a magician, or a magician is a com- and a comedian, as he will clarify once we get talking to each other here in uh, the pod room. But uh, I wanted to mention his website. Let me mention my website if you've already forgotten about all those dates I just plugged. Of course, you could rewind or you could just go to jakethis.com. But if you want to know about Derek, uh, you can go to derekhughes.net. That's .net. He's rocking the .net. D-E-R-E-K-H-U-G-H-E-S. Hughes. Derek Hughes. And... uh, I will tell you some other things about him at the end of the show because then now, right now, you're like, why would I want to go to a guy's website who I haven't even heard had a comment, have a conversation with the guy whose podcast I'm listening to? Who's who's that? Say my name. It's Jake Johansson. This is the Jake this Jake Johansson podcast. Thank you again for listening. Happy holidays and try and be jolly this week. Now it's time to listen to me talk to Derek Hughes here in my office. Slash Potatorium. Derek Hughes. Here we go. Derek Hughes. Hey, Jake. Jake Johansson. Thanks yeah. for having me. Thank you for being here at my house. Oh, it's awesome. I'm glad you're doing a podcast. Yeah. Well, I'm really, I'm, I'm really in there with a lot of good company, meaning almost everyone. Almost everybody. Everybody has a podcast, but you know what's different about my podcast? It's you. I'm on it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm only on those other ones sometimes. That's a perk. But this one, I'd look forward to. Do you have a podcast yet, Derek? I don't. You know, it's hard. I am a primarily a magician, Jake, and it's hard to do magic over a podcast. It is. Uh, no. There was a guy, uh, Dunninger, did radio magic for a long time, which was, I mean, can you imagine that? No. Very popular when radio was that? Magician. I want to say when radio was radio. Um, radio? <laughs> before television. <laughs> before you could see the magic. He so just, this, this is even more ridiculous than the 
radio ventriloquism, which was... Was Charlie that, McCarthy. Well, it's Edgar Bergen oh, and Charlie right, of McCarthy. Course, of course. The most famous ventriloquists of right. old times, anyway. Now now we have Jeff Dunham, but uh, but back then, I mean, and he's, that was on the radio. Ventriloquism on the radio was absurd. But magic on the radio is not absurd. It's surreal. I, I think mean, it's, it's a step more absurd, yeah. I think a ventriloquism, at least, I mean, ventriloquism... The radio is almost perfect for ventriloquism because when you watch live ventriloquism, you buy into it. You buy that illusion, and within a matter of moments, you're watching two people. You know what I mean? Two entities. Right. And right. your brain tricks you, and you're like, oh, that is that guy talking to that guy, if the guy's good. Um, so on the radio, you, you know, it's the same thing. It's just true. Well, right, but, it's, but then it's like you're Phil Hendry. He doesn't need a puppet. He can just do the voices of all the characters. You think when... Uh, they were doing that, Ch- Charlie McCarthy. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you think he was worrying about his lips? Do you think he even had the dummy? Did he <laughs> even have the dummy? I bet he did, because those guys are a little weird. I yeah, think, yeah. I, I think, think you have to be weird to be to get ventriloquism to work. You have to buy it yourself to make it work for everybody Absolutely. else. You have to buy it, like split brain. Yeah, that's a skill. Yeah, yeah. It's just I have been on the road. You know, when I was starting out, opening up for ventriloquist acts who were great you know dave dave strassman is do you know dave i haven't met dave him strassman and chuck wood <laughs> guess, <laughs> That's a great guess which name. one is the dummy um but uh, yeah my my girlfriend at the time made some little outfits for chuck wood she was a seamstress and she could <laughs> make these little tailor-made you know you don't think about it like that but they wanted to wear matching outfits for some vegas thing and or some other idea that dave had but uh, dave was pretty like it was like his little friend for sure. The dummy is like your little friend. Yeah. And I think you have to be that way if, to make it work. So if you if you believe it, they believe it. Well, it's like it's like an act out in stand up. You know, it's uh it's a moment of acting. Yes. Where you have to really be in that moment. If you're if you're indicating or faking an act out in a stand up set, I don't think the audience is gonna Now why do you call it an act out? An act out? Uh that's just the the what I have in my brain for that. I know, but I think somebody at a comedy class started that. I had never heard. I had never heard of that. Like in comedy jargon, callback is when you. Uh, I'm explaining to them, not yes. you. Um, but uh, callback is when you do a joke and then later on, you kind of reference back to that joke in the context of another joke, and it's funny that you've made that connection. So callback, callback is a jargon thing that I feel like all comedians use that didn't come from a comedy class. But you didn't this... learn callback in a class? No, no. But act out is a thing that I feel like that's some label that some outsider person put on it that now we're using. Well, I mean, it's an act it's an, out. It makes sense. It's, it's a way to say it. Description. I always just, I always just kind of hate that. Like you're breaking down a thing. Look, I'm just doing my show. I'm an organic human being who's com- communicating with other human beings, and now you're putting this label on this thing that I'm doing as if it, a technique, as if it was a trick. It's not a trick. You magicians, you you have you, you acknowledge that it's a trick. We comedians, we don't acknowledge that it is a trick. We would prefer that it's that it's not widely revealed that it's a trick. Like like people are surprised. That you're oh you're doing the same is the late show the same as the first show you know like they can't believe that you don't right. just make it all up as a stand up if you're yeah. doing your job right it feels like you're just rapping for an hour you're yeah just, I mean not like Eminem but like you're just chatting yeah yeah being hilarious and boy that guy thinks funny yeah so yeah. people are surprised when they find out oh the, it is the same show again <laughs> sometimes they're not surprised sometimes they're downright angry. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, hey, you're right. I came to see you, and it was the same crap, man. 
Yeah, when did you come? Well, last night. But I brought my girlfriend back so tonight. Great. You know, she thought you were great, but I know you suck. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait a minute. I am great, but once a year. You gotta <laughs> I might have you know, I I, I I have to admit I I took a free one day stand up class. It was a pitch for a longer class and it was free. Uh huh. At the Melrose Improv, so that legitimizes it. Okay. Right. Because uh, the Melrose Improv is the shizzy, I think is what the kids say. I doubt Mecca. They, I call it Mecca. Yeah. Um, okay, that's better than the shizzy. And maybe maybe that's where it slipped in. I mean, maybe that person used that term. Uh, yeah, it could I, I don't be. Quite know how. It, that would have been a long time ago. Then for it you. was a long time ago because I was primarily a magician, and uh, I'd been invited to do the Aspen Festival with some mm. of my magic back in the day when there was an HBO Aspen Festival, and I saw just so many great stand-ups. Not that I didn't know great stand-ups, but I had kind of an epiphany being so submerged in a weekend of stand-up comedy experience. I was really inspired to try to write and start doing stand-up of my own, and I didn't quite know. I know magic, and I know the method to learn and seek out that information and develop that material, but I didn't really have a clue, and I so I just... I'm a big fan of classes and a yeah, yeah. Fl- fan of. Well, I think they're great. They're great if you're a total uh, newbie um, and you want to kind of just l- feel like, look, I'm allowed to go in. I need to know what's the password and how do you how do you say it when you get to the front door? And then once once you're in, you learn stand up by doing it, right? You know, but like so many things, yeah, it really is doing something. That's the classroom. Yeah, yeah. ain't that the truth? Yeah. I didn't realize that about you, though, because I, I always assumed when we met in uh, Minneapolis at Acme, because we were working together in a comedy club and mm-hmm. you were featuring already, I kind of assumed, oh, this is a guy who likes magic and he just has been doing comedy magic, you know, because you're very funny also. I mean, you could do a whole set without doing any magic tricks if you want to. Well, and that's what I've done when I've worked with you. Uh, I don't know if you recall that, but I... Um, I took featuring, and I take featuring as an opportunity to work that muscle, the stand-up comedian side of my right. skill set. Um, because, uh, and I always have a deck of cards in my back pocket as a parachute, just in case. Just I in case, yeah. Miserably. A parachute or a nuclear um, weapon. But having, you know, actually doing magic. Uh, I mean, I know that so for I know that so well, mm-hmm. and. Uh, stand-up was very uncomfortable. I mean, the first time I tried a joke, a straight joke, like a straight setup, punch, tag thing, uh-huh. I'm using those terms. Yeah. I did take a class. Setup, punch, oh. tag, I feel like that's <laughs> stuff, everybody knows that. Okay, cool, Almost. Cool. Yeah, that's cool to say that. It was in the middle of a magic show. I was doing magic, and it was on the Acme stage, but I was in the middle of my magic set. Mm-hmm. I finished a magic trick. And I was in my brain, okay, after this trick, I'm going to do the joke about football. I'm going to do the football joke. I'm going to do the football joke. Trick's over. Hey, guys, football. <laughs> and uh-huh. I did the joke, and it got a, you, it worked. It got a big laugh from the whole room. Uh-huh. And I, my brain didn't know how to deal with that or what to do next. The rope I, trick. Know, do the rope trick, that, man. Don't <laughs> in, don't in. Next trick, next trick, next trick. It was, uh, but it was, it was one of the more thrilling moments of my adult life, man. Yeah, that, yeah. Wow, I might be able to do this stand-up thing. How old were you when that happened? Oh, this was. 
I want to ten ten years maybe. I mean, ten years ago. Ten years ago maybe. Well then, I didn't want you to say exactly how old you are now, in case you didn't want to. But how old are you right now? <laughs> Forty-two. So that would have been you were thirty-two. Maybe so you... thirty. Between thirty and thirty-two is when I really started. To, integrating to, stand-up. So you kind of came to stand-up later in your show business career. I did. You were I was already... always a fan, though. I mean, I'll yeah. tell you. My intro to magic... Uh, when did you start doing magic? Well, I was 10. Yeah. Um, back in Minnesota. And around 14, 15, 16 uh, years old, I discovered that downtown Minneapolis, where Acme is now, uh-huh. was a comedy magic club. David Woods had opened the. Oh, uh, David club Woods club. was a, a he was a big comic when I first started. He was yeah, one of the big know. headliners from uh, the Tonight Show when I first started. See, and I I didn't know who David Woods was. He was never around, but he opened a club. Is it Woods? I think it's David Wood. David but, Wood, but yeah, same oh, guy. No, We're ta- David Woods, because it in my brain it was David Woods rib tickler. Yeah, yeah. That was of the sign. Right. So I'm seeing an apostrophe just, that you don't yeah. hear. Or maybe we're both seeing the apostrophe in a different place. David Wood. Right, right, <laughs> right. You saw it after the end. Yeah, that's a little. That's a little visual for the radio that involves punctuation. Get a pen. You don't pen get this everywhere, paper. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Those other podcasts. You think they're talking about apostrophes? No. Um, so, so you found out that that was historically a, a magic place. No, I or found he... out that it was a magic place, and that every oh David week... Wood. David House Woods, of Mag- it was ma- David it was, so it was like the comedy and magic. He asked Mike Lacey, "Hey, can I build your club in the Midwest?" And Mike uh-huh. Lacey said, "Sure." He opened every show with New York, New York, just like they do down at uh, Comedy and Magic Club in Hermosa Beach, right? Yeah. And uh, they had magic posters around the walls and in that cavernous Acme space, mm-hmm. which is an incredible space. Mm-hmm. Um, the stage was the same. They have not remodeled since since uh, since it was David Woods. Yeah, you know, it's the same layout and stuff. I'm saying yeah. it has nothing revolutionary yeah. changed there. But every week there was a headline comic. And a headline magician. And so I, I got my parents to sneak me in. I was underage. But I would see, uh, you know, Paul Kozak, amazing magician, yeah. comedy magician. I haven't seen Paul Perform with, uh, you know, uh, Emo Phillips. Or, yeah. you know, uh, you know, just it was. And I saw that mashup. And I think that really got deep into my subconscious. It's amazing what affects us as as children. And when our dreams are first born, how how that well, I, you would you would have started ma- magic when you were ten, but what you're talking about now probably happened when you were fifteen, sixteen. Yes, so I was already yeah. into magic loosely. I had a kit, and you know, I'd I'd uh, I'd discovered the magic shop downtown. You know, Eagle Magic Store was downtown yeah. Minneapolis, so I knew I, I would save all my money, and then you know, get my parents to drive me in. Yeah, to this magic shop and blow everything, and they were dubious. Are you sure? Yeah. You sure you <laughs> like, want to buy oh, this? this? Is it oh yeah, I used guys. to go. This I used to it. go to Opryland USA and buy magic tricks when I was in my teens. They had you a know. store. Yeah, they had a magic store in the. It was like a theme park. Opryland USA was like Disneyland, but it okay. was for country music type stuff. But they had all. They had <laughs> Disney. They had they had Disneyland kind of rides. You know, roller coaster that coaster that's a flume, a log flume, and a and another uh, you know 
all all the kind of exciting theme is it park near rides. The Opryland Convention Center. It was right next with? to it, but okay. they closed. Now they closed Opryland, but it was open for thirty something years. Wow! And the the little characters were a giant fiddle and a guitar, and a, <laughs> it was it was pretty ridiculous. But it was very popular. And in there, just like I think, I think there's a magic store in Disneyland. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. yeah. So it was. So there's a magic shop in there because kids like all kids like magic, and then. Some people, it's just like, this is, I know what I'm doing. But that's that age when you're 15, like you're talking about 15, 16. That's that age where everybody has that moment of like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. All you grown-ups, you think you know what's cool. You think you know what the world really means. But I know what's cool. I know what the world really means. I'm going to fuse comedy and magic. You don't need two people to do that. I can do both of those things. I don't think I had that epiphany at that time. Yeah. It was all the magic. But that comedy was there. Oh, you so know? you were just going to be the magician. Oh, and I just, oh, man, I had dreams of being that magician. You yeah. Know? That was, I was going to be that guy. Billy Arnold was the house MC. Do you know Bill Arnold? Uh, uh, I, I know I've met him in the past, but I just am not picturing him in my mind. He's a great corporate magician. And, uh-huh. uh, he And he worked the Rib Tickler for years and years. He originated a role in a play called Triple Espresso. Three guys did a play that, kind of like a sheer madness or a forever plaid where like the audience interacts and there's a little bit of a mystery of, yes, thing. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a three-man comedy that's run on and off for 20 years now. Grossed millions of dollars. It's uh, I would love to gross million. millions of dollars. I would like to have... I would I would love gross amounts of millions of dollars. Yeah, do you know I'm just $2 million away from being set for life right now? <laughs> That's crazy, because yeah. me too. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? How many of us are in that same situation? Um so, yeah, I, I just, uh, I, I've always, okay, well, let's circle back and tell me about Magic on the Radio. Did you, have you ever listened to it? No, no, I've, I have not, I've oh. not listened to any of Dunninger's tapes. Uh, he was primarily a mentalist. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, it would be go get a pen and a paper, go get a deck of cards and show, and he would give you instructions and you would do the magic at home and be amazed, which, uh. Oh, so he would be on the radio telling you to do something, and people didn't realize that it... I'm now... I, I can't, they wouldn't pick they, up that, it, look, this has got to be a force, because how can this happen to no, everyone? No, there's, there's, there's clever means, you know. Uh, to make it seem like it's a different answer. Like, I don't, I'm not listening to the radio thinking, like, wait a minute, how can, how can I... How can everybody listening to the radio have the three of clubs? Right, right. Yeah. And he would do stuff like that. Yeah, you know, man. I mean, Copperfield carried it over to the television where he would show a design of things on the screen, and you would go up to the screen. If you've seen these on no. magic shows where, okay, touch a touch an object and count to the left and spell your name, and 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 everybody ends up on the same thing. Yeah, yeah, and it's, whoa, I'm amazed at home. It's yeah. Pretty, pretty cool. Those are the best. That's weird how so many things, because that's math, basically. Right? It's magic. I'm not at liberty yeah. to do discuss methods. <laughs> That's the worst part of being a But there's math involved in anything. Will you at least grant me that? Maybe algorithms. Maybe algorithms. And I don't even know what that okay. means. Okay, right. Um, I played a radio magician. Uh, there's a live show called the Thrilling Adventure Supernatural Suspense Hour. It's uh, like a... Thrilling well, Adventure Supernatural Suspense Hour. That's right. Acker and Blacker. And the Work Juice Players. Um, and where is that out of? Uh, out of it, it started at M Bar, 
mm-hmm. and uh, I would do the shows early on, and it's it's continued to play. Now they're over at Largo. Um, I know there's a there's another thing called the Thrilling Adventure Hour, but that's that's, that's, that's not it. the same thing. That's the same. Oh, this thing. is the same. Thing. Yeah. Okay. With Paul F. Tompkins. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 Uh, and it's super funny. Uh, I haven't I haven't listened to that because I. But I've heard it's great. Well, the live experience. I mean, listening. Is is perfect because it's meant to be a radio show, and they have uh-huh. a foley artist, and uh, it's pretty great. But live, it's wonderful because everyone dresses uh, in the era. Uh-huh. Um, and I played a uh, radio magician, Presto Prescott, radio magician, and I would wear a tuxedo with a pith helmet. And I was always coming back from some grand adventure in Borneo, well, you know. And uh, those I would were describe, the days. Uh, I will tear the newspaper, radio listener. I am tearing the newspaper. <laughs> And I would describe the effect. And, the, and, and would behold, you actually then tear it, or would someone uh, so, else tear it? No, the no, I would, I would tear yeah. it yeah. Uh, and, uh, and then explain. And then uh, the audience that was watching would be amazed by the trick they saw me do on stage, and I would explain to the radio listener, uh, radio listener, stare in astonishment at your radio receiver, for the magic has happened. <laughs> <laughs> it was really a fun character. Sounds good. So people can listen to that now if they want to listen to the thrilling, thrilling or are you, you on any of the podcast episodes? No, or Presto, so you were prior to that. this was, yeah, Presto was seven years ago or... Mm-hmm. Five years ago, ancient history. Ancient history. Prior to prior to podcasts as we know them, yeah. Even it was super fun. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like a good. That's a great thing about uh, the podcasts are sort of a throwback now. I think to those days of radio where it's it's different than radio because it's not a, as put together of a show, but it's this thing that happens in your mind and it's a personal thing people decide they want to subscribe to it and then they listen to it and it's their secret thing that they tell their friends about like for example if you're listening to this you could tell your friend i'm not begging but <laughs> um and 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 nowadays there there's a kind of a resurgence of just that audio thing there's some people who do a video podcast too but just the audio part of it the audio is i think they're awesome. incredible i think it's a uh... It is. It's too much. Too much information, too. Though it's like I don't quite know which. You know, I like. I like so many. You can't listen to all of them. I, I feel like I subscribe to a, a bunch that I like, and then I'll go through and see which which episodes have downloaded recently, and kind of pick and choose. And sometimes I'll go back and listen to an old one. And every once in a while, you're surprised because you listen to somebody's episode that you thought, well, this wasn't going to be that. Uh, I didn't. I didn't know what this was going to be until I listened to it. Now, holy cow! Mm-hmm. Telling people about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite podcast that you listen to? Well, if people are sick of me saying how much I enjoy Joe Rogan's podcast, but I like it because it's all over the place. I mean, he talks to so many, and he gets really interesting guests because he has a ton of listeners. So he gets really interesting guests, and then it, and then the next episode will be some comedian that you know who's not famous but it's hilarious and then he'll have these guys on from mma that are that are kind of interesting or nutrition experts so i like his greg proops's podcast is awesome he's on the same network that i'm on yeah and is, uh, does he have a is there a format to him his or is, is there called a, the smartest man in the world and it's <laughs> live Perfect. and he goes on live and he has notes of of topics that he wants to discuss that week and so he kind of interacts with the audience and kind of just talks about these things and he's he's got a very broad wealth of knowledge and an incredible spontaneous wit if i may be so bold greg proops is to compliment you on my podcast that his podcast is very interesting 
I mean, you can start if you listen to too much of it, you start to feel bad about yourself. Because <laughs> at first, the smartest at man first you're like, oh, he's the smartest man in the world. Go fuck yourself, Greg Proops. And then you listen to it, and you go, all right, all right, he's pretty smart. He is pretty smart. <laughs> So, who are your favorite podcasts? I'm a big fan of Stephen Tobolowski. He has a storytelling podcast. You know, I heard about his, and oh, I'm curious the Tobolowski about that. Files uh-huh. are, uh, he does this, you know, my intro was an episode, and I think it was 55, maybe? It's mm-hmm. in, it was in the episode 50s uh-huh. area. Um, and he's, I mean, he's not, he's not with anybody else. He has his producer, and they talk a little up front, and then he goes into a, a written piece, you know, a written performance piece uh storytelling memoir he tells his story mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah but he's an amazing storyteller uh his story about filming uh mississippi burning i think uh uh-huh. where he plays this ku klux klan leader and his journey of researching that character in the time down south and a first breakout role as a you know sort of aspiring actor mm-hmm. um it's unbelievable yeah um but the first one I listened to was about his experience. He had to have open heart surgery. He uh, he was really clogged up, and it was an emergency thing. And this was only a couple years ago where he had this experience. And, man, that, that journey, that story, it was, uh, you know, I laughed hysterically through the story and sobbed my face off yeah. as well. And it was just... Beautiful and hilarious and cathartic and so you the, he it's him every week. Stephen Tobolowsky yeah. tells a story. It's just him. Mm-hmm. For people who don't know him, I remember him most from uh, Groundhog Day. Of he's course. the actor who gets punched. Like he's super yeah. friendly, right? He doesn't want to sell Bill Murray something, and Bill Murray finally just punches him right in the right yeah, in the yeah, face. Yeah. Ned but, Ned Ryerson. <laughs> I sell insurance now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's what I remember him. What do you do? You know another thing that you would refer him. Uh, Californication. Mm-hmm. He's a regular on that. He's also, uh, I know he was uh, on the Mindy show. Yeah. Mindy's new show, Mindy. <laughs> <laughs> May I? Now I'm lost. I don't know Mindy. Uh, Mindy from The Office. Mindy Kaling. That's right. That's her name. I know her name, but I didn't know she had a show. She did. I have a very uh, kind of passive-aggressive relationship with my TV. I'm not watching it all the I time. I think we all do now. I think there's so many options, like this podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I love my TV. I mean, I, there's some great things in there, but then there's also a lot of assholes who want to get your attention mm-hmm. inside that TV, mm-hmm. and they're relentless. They're yeah. relentless to the point where... Talking about the Kardashians, right? A little bit. <laughs> a little bit I am, but not just those reality angry rich ladies with big fake boobs having an argument, not just them, but also... The people who want to sell you, just the commercials, the way that commercials kind of are, are insert themselves into, like, these shows that, that it, to, to where it just completely ruins the experience of watching the show. Like, you can't watch a show about zombies who are trying to kill people, and then all at once it's a commercial, pe- you know, for soap. It's like, we're not taking baths anymore. It's chaos. Right. But I've actually seen sneaky commercials that look and feel like the content you're watching. You know, there was a series of uh, ads during Mad Men, I noticed, that were in this... They weren't the characters and they weren't the actors, but it was the style of the show. Uh Uh-huh. And it was a little dramatic scene. And then, ta-da, it's a product. Interesting. I feel angry about that. Well, I mean... From their point of view, they would like to believe, and I really do believe, in part, it's true they're trying to help us. 
You know, like... Advertisers? Yeah. They're trying to help you. First of all, they're trying to... Which is evil. They're trying to make you want something that you don't really need. But second of all, they're trying to find out something that you do need and then suggest a thing that would be good for that. And sometimes they're right. Well, but more often than not, the basis of the need is that we are somehow less than without it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Well, which is we, we're all, that's is, my go-to spot, man. <laughs> that's my go-to <laughs> you spot. Are like, how do I fill up this hole? What is the secret? I have bought so many fucking Look at that pile of hats right there. Look at these hats right here. You I these thought hats. I keep thinking that the next hat is the right answer that I'm going to finally since I was a teenager I thought I'm going to get the right hat. I'm going to put that on, and it is going to complete me. It's going to be my personality. Wow. And it never, it's never worked. I mean, I love all of these hats, and I do put them, I, I get rid of the ones that I just can't deal right. with. But, but both of these hats I'll put on from time to time. But I never, I, I was kind of was jealous of a guy like Gilligan, who, you know, he had that hat, <laughs> and boom, that was him. He never needed to take it off. You know? Well, this is this brings up an interesting question I have, and I and I I have the same struggle, and it's it's with hats. I'm a big fan of hats, uh, but also with hair. You know, like I'm trying to, I'm always trying to figure, especially as a as an actor and an entertainer, mm-hmm. trying to figure out like locking in my hair to one thing. I've, I've changed my hairstyle, you know. All the time. You know, it's always a different look, and then I show up and, you know, I don't look like my picture at an audition or something, and it's like, hey, what's up with your hair? Um, but I want to hark back to the first time. Well, I because s- I can address this hair question, but you go ahead. What is your question? A question I had is uh, when I first saw you perform, it was at the Comedy Gallery in St. Anthony, Maine, in Minneapolis. There used to be a, a club there, and I want to say it was like 80. Was that the one that was Seven? upstairs from the steakhouse? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you crushed. And you, it was amazing. And you had a, you had kind of a curly... You had a very distinct uh, 80s sort of... Uh, it was kind of a cross between, I think, a, like a Lyle Lovett or a... Um, I used to get Lyle Lovett, Elvis Costello. Because mm-hmm. um, there was glasses. Because I had kind glasses of and it was pooped up on top. Uh-huh. Yeah, and short on the sides or and slick kind of back a, on uh, the sides. Uh, oh, I'm missing the word, but uh, a type of music. New wave. There was like a new wave. But the, I don't think you had a piano tie, but it, it was It wasn't like, a piano tie, but I had that. Similar kind it was of... more. I wasn't. I was a little more not like everybody than that. But, yeah, so that was a kind of an art school-looking thing that I was doing. It was very distinct. And I really liked it for the time. And, I mean, I just talked to Greg um, Barrett on the show about this because he was convinced, oh, you gotta, you got to go back to kind of that. And, I, you know... With his I, mohawk? Yeah, Greg's got the mohawk Let's now. But it. I feel like I've evolved from that to a thing that I'm doing now that I would like to get back to be a little more quirky and and weird but so, yeah my hairstyle changed sort of because I changed and my life changed and I kind of feel like when I look back on all those old 8x10s and TV appearances mm-hmm. it, it it almost looks like I'm a, I'm an actor who's coming on like I'm I, oh I got a job to play a role as the guy with long hair now and uh, that's just how my hair looks when I'm in the stand-up. Even though that was in my real life, I was just playing another role or looking a different way. Now I got a full beard. I was thinking I just taped this special. I was thinking I might shave my head just to see what that looks like. Not mm-hmm. that I would keep that style for 
forever. So this is, but, this is, but just, but I kind of feel like, look, this is my life, and I'm expressing myself and my artistic creativity, which is also expressed in just the way I look from day to day. Not that I'm a pompous jackass about mm-hmm. it, but we're talking about this, so that's, that's right. why I'm saying it out loud. Mm-hmm. This isn't some shit that I pontificate on. Um, but I feel like I'm living my life in a creative way, and this is how I feel like I want to look right now, or these are the type of clothes that I want to wear like right now, and this is how I would like you to perceive me while I'm doing the thing that I'm doing. Because I feel like my act is not... Uh, it's low-level subversive. Like, I'm not behaving the way you're supposed to behave, but I'm not hitting you over the head with it. You know, I'm not out there trying to teach somebody a lesson about how to be or how to live their life. But I've got a few little ideas in there that aren't the ideas of the mainstream. And then there's some funny little jokes. And, like, I think the best thing to do at a corporate gig when I get those is to dress up like them. So the first thing they think is that they know who I am. And then as I start talking, they realize, oh, I didn't. This is not a guy who's like me. Oh, that's very interesting. You know? And so I feel like in real life, you need to kind of be... I, I need to be how I feel right now in terms of, like, if I want to get a haircut or I got that LASIK surgery and so I don't wear glasses anymore because I feel like to wear glasses now would be a silly, like, prop that I'd be putting on. So I wouldn't be myself even though I would look more like myself to the people who remember me from when I used to look that way. And I feel like my career may have suffered a little in terms of my recognition because I have people come to shows all the time and say, hey, man, I... You were awesome tonight, and I didn't realize that you're the same guy that I saw 10 years ago, you know? Right. And how, how important is that on some level to the, the, the general public to, to have iconic imagery? It's almost like people who maintain a look, like Greg Proops, he wears those glasses and has a poofy hair and often a black jacket of sorts. I've noticed... Suit, yeah. You know, a, a Ryan consistent... Stout is now rocking a suit all the time, too. He looks and good in a suit. He does, does he look not? good in a suit, mm-hmm. and I think it's great. And he, and also, I know that he loves that. He loves shopping for those suits and buying those suits and wearing those suits. And I, in the same way that I love the clothes that I wear. I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. just wearing some garanimals that my mommy no. dressed me in. I'm wearing oh, clothes no. that I picked out that I Robert like. Robert Graham is no slouch when it comes to Well, right. Shirts. I did a little branded shirt branding. Um, but... Um, but I think you got to be true to yourself. Now, yeah, maybe if you change the way you look over time, your branding of your thing has got to be, you know, like David Bowie can wear whatever the fuck he wants. He's always stylish, but he's not wearing the same outfit or the same style all the time. He mixes it up. Now, I'm not comparing myself to David Bowie. That would be ridiculous. But I am saying that, look, uh, if, if, he, if he's allowed to do it, I'm allowed to do it. I'm a, he, all he is is just a person. I mean, he's an incredibly artistic, visionary performer. But, I mean, if, if, if he can wear a, a crazy yellow suit and then decide he's going to wear a businessman suit and he can do whatever he wants, then we can do whatever we want. Now, if we're not as famous and successful as him, we may have that trouble. If we lose some people, they can't keep track of who we are in the process. So if you feel like that's important to you, then then you can make that to lock in with that one thing. But like I said, I've tried it with a hat, and I just couldn't get it to work. <laughs> it reminds me of that uh, great Bugs Bunny cartoon with Elmer Fudd where the train car full of hats tips over, and Elmer Fudd is hunting Bugs Bunny, but these hats are flying through the wind, and each two hats keep 
flowing, flying off and landing on each other's heads, and it changes their power structure. You know, it'll go oh, from like a, if, if a the, king's hat and a, you know, and suddenly... Oh, that's funny. Bugs is in control. They both take on the uh, the mm-hmm. character and persona and reality of which whatever hat lands on their head. Well, and there is a, that, there is that, that kind of speaks to what we're talking about, that kind of fake it till you make it or be what people think you are and reinforce that, you know, and, and I guess if that's a, that's kind of an old school way of thinking about showbiz branding which is a new word of things to say to Mm -hmm. like you you get an idea you buy a piece of real estate in people's head and then you build on it but uh, i I wonder i i wonder how important that is i mean i haven't spent time trying to lock in a a signature i mean i have a i have a routine about I think, you know, that I think I have found the thing that's going to make me famous and that it is the most ridiculous, stupid thing in the world. Um, well, and that is that it uh, that is subversive in the fact that it seems absurd, but it is true of everything. You right. know, our, we're going to be dead. Mm-hmm. This no matter how famous you get, mm-hmm. you know, like me and who is the most famous comedian right now louis ck right we're all going to wind up in a box mm-hmm. <laughs> you know we're all we're going to wind up in the dirt so while he's alive he's having all this fame but a hundred years from now 200 years from now who knows how much of either one of us anyone Especially will know with the speed and diversity of media and as it's developing and accelerating i mean it used to be you had one newspaper and you know like everything was funneled through a couple of channels so if you were famous you were really fucking famous well i'm not saying in 50 years or even 100 years or even 200 years but i think there's a good chance that in a thousand years or certainly three thousand years human beings are going to be just completely different and whatever we're doing or gone and whatever we're doing now is going to be absurd to them and so your job, I, I, just, I was just reading this book that um, my friend Matt Weinholt's wife, Carrie, recommended to me. So now I'm plugging this book because I want to have her on to talk about it called The Swerve. Mm. And it's about this uh, it's about this ancient Greek poem about life from thousands of, of years uh, before um, Jesus and Christianity that, that talks about all matter is made up of atoms. And, you know, these these really modern ideas that they had speculated on that that have turned out to be scientifically true that are based in this ancient knowledge or poetry. I mean, we have no idea really what because the other books that relate to what this guy was doing are also lost. Um, But in there, he talks about how religion is kind of ridiculous in the sense that, uh, you know, we don't we can't know that and that the ultimate purpose of us on earth and life is to be happy you know to just pursue your happiness and so i think that when you look at these decisions if you can believe it or not i'm circling back to what we're talking about Mm -hmm. um when you look at these decisions about like should you kind of lock in on this image there is a big part of that decision that you've got to base in it doesn't make you happy and that's why i was talking about myself because i feel like i was making myself happy and i I'm a little older than you and had my had a lot of success very early. And so I can say from my perspective, I'm I it is very possible that I sacrificed that I didn't get some 
financial or fame reward that I would have been able to get if I had kind of locked in on that thing. But I think soul, spirit, happiness-wise, I would have, I wouldn't have been able to do it. I wouldn't have been able to to just keep being the thing that everybody thought or wanted or that I thought they wanted me to be because I it would have just I would have become lost. Right. So I kind of think you have to you have to really look inside yourself and and not not ask that question outside, but ask that question inside. Like, who, who am I? Who am I right now? What makes me most happiest right now? What do I think is right for me right now? And then trust that, just like you trust that when you're writing your jokes and you're, and you're putting your, you know, your act together. Mm-hmm. I think of Bobcat. And uh, <laughs> talk about uh, people wanting... Hey, where's the voice? He wanted to break out of that box, you know, but he committed... that. The thing that he did also, he, he's a funny example to me because I think Bob is so creative and just genius. You watch his movies? No, I got to, well, they I've are, watched some of them, but I got to watch this, the latest. The, yeah. Have you watched the Sasqu- Sasquatch searching for Bigfoot thing? No, no. The last one I watched was the uh, Killing Spree Across America. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I didn't see that one yet. It was great. But And I've got World's Greatest Dad is in my Netflix queue. Oh, yeah, um, I love it. But Bob is great. And I think he has a love-hate relationship sort of with his fans who want him to do that. And I do get from his fans' perspective, like, we're here and we want to see that thing. And from his perspective, is like, it's what I was saying. It's not the way that I was saying it. But the way that he was saying it has got him so much attention. And it was groundbreaking and unbelievable at the time. And, you know, if that happens, you know, now you now you now you got some real first world problems when you become so famous for this look that you mm-hmm. just locked into or, or you don't even lock into it you just all at once tomorrow you put on a, an aluminum foil suit and you go out and you act like a robot and you do your same act and it explodes and you're the most famous guy in the universe for a year then you got to try and bust back out of that robot suit well that's that's a good problem to have but you're saying you know, aluminum robots yeah yeah that's what i'm saying yeah uh, aluminum i got some duct tape we can go from here suit. to the uh, albertsons we'll get the great we'll get the aluminum <laughs> here's how i think we do it too i think we get a suit that you already like Okay. And we hot glue the aluminum onto the outside. We don't just use it as a pattern, kind of unstitch it, see how it works. And that then, aluminum uh, suit's going to tear apart. You're still mm-hmm. going to be doing a lot of physical stuff. So we mm-hmm. glue it onto the outside, and then we can just glue more. If there's problems, we can just glue more. Maybe that's how it's going to eventually look. Like it's going to be a patchwork, more aluminum pieces have been glued on the outside. But this is your vision, not my vision. Ted Baker potato. <laughs> You know what? I take it back. I'm doing the aluminum suit, and you've got to come up with it. Okay, got it, got it. I don't want to steal your thing. I don't want to steal your thing. But, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, there is a worry that you can do something that, and, and there's, I know so many people who've kind of gotten famous for this thing that was just, uh, like they were just doing it cause it was fun or they thought it would be funny or it was a part that they took or fucking Gilligan. I mean, I know so many contemporaries now who are famous for roles that they did in a movie or whatnot that have that Gilligan problem where it's like, really, everybody comes up to you and wants you to wants to say little buddy and sock you in the arm or something and now you're doomed to have that and I mean that's a kind of a problem that if you have that problem hopefully you also then have solved the your two million dollars short of your life goal problem well one of my first acting jobs when I moved here was on a sitcom called Grown Ups which was with Jaleel White who here was a guy he played Urkel 
on oh, Family Matters. Damn. And Jaleel's immensely talented. And, a, I mean, on set, he was just a powerhouse. I mean, really impressive. I learned a lot from the handful of weeks we got to work together. Um, and Grown Ups was a show that was his opportunity to break that uh-huh. preconceived uh-huh. expectation of Urkel. And he made it really clear that he didn't want any reference whatsoever. I mean, we even did an episode where the writers wrote a handful of geeks come in, like nerds. I played his boss at a, at a computer uh-huh. game uh, designing place. I was like an eccentric um, man-child genius. And uh, these nerds came in in this episode, and Jaleel walked off set. He was like, they, they got tape on their glasses, they're wearing high waters, this is, this is a reference to that, and I'm breaking that i don't want to be anywhere near it Mm -hmm. it is not i don't want people to even bridge right you know and uh it was tough you know the show was on the bubble to go again and if it had that would have been wonderful for me because it was like literally my first audition and it was it was a mid-season edition so i was doing a handful of episodes at the end of the season and jaleel really was not happy on the on the show the way it was going and i took him up to the magic castle and was like are you do you want the show to get picked up? Because you, you seem unhappy. And he's like, I need the show to get picked up. I mean, it was really insightful Hollywood uh, statement. He's like, if this show doesn't get picked up, you have way better chance getting on another show than I do. Because this show was my chance to not be Urkel. And right, if this right. show doesn't go, then it's like, what? we're pretty sure he's I'm Urkel. I'm going back to UCLA and taking a writing course. Or, well, but this is the other thing. It's like, dude, you should have saved some of that Urkel money. Oh, he did? Yeah. Well, if you save that money, you don't need to go back to UCLA. Go write your one-man show. Go write a one-man show. I mean, that's the good... That To me, if you're having trouble because you're too identified with this big giant thing, you got to go get small and come back up as another thing instead of, like... yeah, you want to still be as famous as Urkel, and we're just talking about him, for example. But, right. But if you still want to be as famous as that guy, but you want to do a totally new thing, you know, it's hard to make that transition. So this was his transi- This was his opportunity to do that. But you know, you can come back as another thing. But he we're not talking. Writing. I mean, he's been he's been writing a bunch. You know, which yeah. is great. Are you still in touch with him? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> he's a cool guy. I mean, that's got to be a weird thing to be. What he was 13, 14. I mean, he was a yeah. kid and made this really bold choice. No one told him to do that. He went in, did that at the audition. No, he went for it. And 100%. I mean, that hundred percent. And that is that is to me what creativity is all about. Just go for it. But yeah, he's a good he's a good guy to put. You know, I, I, Bob Goldthwait would totally hate to be put in that cat. But you know, you go for it. Guys who go for it. That's that's how you get successful. Now maybe what you went for doesn't always explode like that. But, right. But that's a good. Can you imagine being basically a child and going to a toy store and seeing three shelves of dolls of you? No. That no. Would... I mean, I feel like at this point in my career, if I became successful on that level, I would have a shot at dealing with it because. I've already experienced so many things like like your experience on the show where you worked with him mm-hmm. which is you, you it's if it goes this could be the launch of your career but if it doesn't go you sort of go back in the dugout 
knock the dirt off your boots and get ready for your next at bat. And uh, I've had so many of those experiences that now if I had, if I was on a show where they were making a doll that looked like me, I might be able to hold on to my sanity. (laughs) But that's as a fucking 50 something year old man. Yeah. It, it, to be a teenager and have that happen, I mean, look at look at what's going on with Justin Bieber. He's lost his mind. He's, he's losing his mind. His mind. He's Miley Cyrus. I was I, I just was listening to Justin this morning on uh, the radio, a little interview, and he talked about thanks for supporting the movement. He's talking about a movement. There's a movement, and Miley Cyrus has a MTV documentary talking about her movement. What is the movement? What is the movement? Movements used to be women's liberation or civil rights. That was a movement. Now, now Justin Bieber has a movement. Well, the movement he started a is, movement. The movement is, I guess, what is what does he mean? Does he mean like I'm so mega famous now that I am leading you, my oh, fans, as if we're going to now solve the world's problems? Like that. That's like, hey, all we're doing is buying a CD. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, this is great music. I can't wait for you to make some more great music. And I'm interested if you have opinions that jive with me. But what are the odds once you start talking? Once you're that famous and you start talking, there's got to be a shitload of your fans that feel like, look, I don't, I like the music, but I don't relate to the the message. Right. What the, what's he talking about? The movement. Right. What is he talking about? Pretty soon. That's when you talk about, that's when you start shaving your head and getting a neck tattoo and, you know, having sex with the you know the opposite of whoever you used to be having sex with that's that's when that shit starts to happen i i think uh i think i think america's hungry for controversy and uh, you know like miley cyrus she's everybody's talking about how crazy she is i don't think she's crazy do you think she's crazy no, I think she's trying to do what Madonna did One, before her, and and, and and so many other people have 100%. done. But Madonna is the best because she's she's repeatedly kind of surprised and reinvented and come up with the next outrageous thing. And I, I was not a fan of Madonna's when she first came out, but I just have so much respect for her as an artist and a and a kind of manipulator of the public's perception of her to, to like keep engaging their interest and keeping them on it. But I feel like it's easy to see what Madonna has done as an outside observer and think it's simple or, or, or think it's easy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you think it's just about doing a lewd thing with a foam finger and sticking your ass in the air and your tongue out and acting like you're more sexual than you actually are, mm-hmm. I don't think it's just that. There's more to it than that. I'm not saying I understand what Madonna did. I'm just saying I don't think Miley Cyrus is doing it right. <laughs> Well, she's doing something. I mean, I, I think it's hilarious how people actually humor the discussion that she's off the rails. I mean, these crazy things she's doing are multi-thousand-dollar productions. You know, it's well, not the crazy- crashing her cooch, getting out of the car at the club, or bashing a paparazzi with an umbrella. No, she's- it's thought out, and she's got helpers helping That's her do right. it. Right, right, and it's not nuts? like, and it does. It seems like it hasn't gone to the Britney Spears level where she's shaving her head and or or what's her name, Lindsay Lohan, winding up in rehab. Although right. that could happen with both of these two. Now we don't we don't know. I mean, I just yeah. That's that that level of fame and attention has got to just be so freaky and hard to kind of manage. Your like we're not built for that. You Human know, beings aren't. You, you know? know who? Uh, I went to a performing arts high school, and Shirley Jones came and spoke to us, 
and Shirley Jones. Shirley Jones of the Partridge family. Who was the mom in the Partridge family. That's right. And the mother of David Cassidy, mm-hmm. who was, in some ways, you know, one of the original Justin Bieber's. You know, he was a teen idol in an age of mass media. And in a more, in a, in a way, in an age where it was easier to be a, a giant in mass media because there was less media, there were less places where you right. had to focus people's attention. So if you could get on one network or one thing, people were, but also in a gentler, simpler, kind of nicer time. Absolutely. You know, his, his, his pictures on sheets, bed sheets and, and sleeping bags and stuff. But that guy, he snapped. She said he, he just fucked off and went to a field in Hawaii and stayed there for years before resurfacing. Like he kind of just couldn't take that amount of pressure like he because uh, according to and it's his mother but you know he had such a big heart you know like uh-huh. he felt like he couldn't live up to what this well you can't be you're not well, you can't i mean i feel like that's that's what happens is you start to get high in your own supply you start to believe like this is a movement and i'm the guy who's at the head of the movement i mean one of the fun things about being a stand-up comedian is you get to have Opinions, and you get to go on stage, and people listen. You have their attention, and you can kind of express these ideas and get validated for what your what your perspective is when it's good. When it's good, right? Mm-hmm. But, and you know, and you can suss that out. But then, as you get to be, I mean, Louis C.K. has done a great job of being that guy and expressing his ideas and getting validated without becoming some kind of douchey guru, mm-hmm. which I feel like that is the danger of what can happen is you become this douchey guru and it's very tricky to not have that happen. I think, I mean, I feel like that's one of the fun things about where I'm at with my level of notoriety is I can go do these shows for people who've been my fans for a long time and new people who've only been coming to shows for maybe five years or so. And we're having a great time and I'm relating to them, but I'm just a person and they're just people and we're just getting together to have a good time. And you know, it's and it's obvious that that's the reality because even in these big venues, you know, maybe you're in a place with 1,500 seats, but most of the time you're talking about two, three hundred people. I mean, it's a really good, great energy. I cannot imagine having that same kind of electrified, magnified connection in a in a stadium. I mean, how has Bruce Springsteen maintained his humanity over all these years? It wouldn't those people. I mean, he gives it back as hard as he gets it from those people. Uh, but I remember uh, listening to uh, the guys from Pink Floyd talking about that when they started blowing, getting really big and doing larger stadium events. They were totally turned off because they couldn't do subtle, the subtle music exploration that they were really into because it was just, just you know, it was just this, it was yeah. uh, more of an event than, you know, an experience or a concert, I guess. It was less about the music and more about just being there to see, yeah, to yeah. see these dudes. Well, I feel like the best the best size audience for stand up is in that, you know, two to three hundred size room. You know, maybe a little bit more and certainly less is, is can be great also. But you can make a nice living working crowds that size and yeah, it's great to be mega rich and have these other big giant rooms. But I but it's funny when you hear artists who have had that mega success like like Pink Floyd say that because coming from me it sounds like it's a rationalization for oh yeah you're just trying to be happy with what you're getting as opposed to you know saying something true but the fact is stand up is fun and 
the most it's the most fun in clubs. I've been hearing Joe Rogan say that on his podcast because I listen to it a lot. Um, Something Joe Rogan said, and I thought this was a great nutshell of what stand up is. Uh, I worked with him down at the Comedy and Magic, and he said in the green room, uh, stand up is figuring out how you see the world and then communicating that to a way in a way that your audience gets it in the way you see it. Yeah, yeah, you know. I thought that oh that's that's pretty good. It's a pretty good nutshell. Yeah, yeah, I'm a person, you're a person. This is what it's like for me to be a person. Can you relate to what it's like to be me as a person? And the audience, a lot of times, is like, yeah, I can. Not exactly. But there's a similar thing. Like, I started talking about this thing in my act about, uh, you know, this neurotic thing that was going on in my head in lines at grocery stores and banks and stuff. And it's in this special, so I don't want to. But I thought what I was doing when I started talking about it on stage is, let me tell you how crazy I am. I thought I was going to be like, I'm going to tell you a secret about my my dirty brain habits. And what I found out was, whoa, everybody else is having that same crazy thought. Right. You know? And it was really, it was really satisfying. And I mean, that has to happen in a smaller room. And then later on, you can blow it up into a bigger room once you know, once you have that intimate connection with the human beings in the smaller place. But... Um, but yeah, I, I can definitely see that reaction of you become mega famous and then you take a retreat or you go get in the field. I mean, I don't know if that was part of what went, what, what went on with Chappelle or not, but, uh, sure. you know, I, I kind of, you know, $50 million is a lot of power and responsibility. Yeah. But he's a man just like you and I are I men. Know. And so you kind of feel like everybody was saying you kind of, one feels like I heard a lot of people saying like, how could someone do that? No one would do that. There must be something wrong with him to do that. And I wanted to say, or, or maybe everyone would do that if they were in that spot. How do you know what the fuck you would do right. if you just got $50 million and you were under the stresses that he's under? Maybe you would have that same thing happen to you. You know, we're seeing it happen to Justin Bieber, Bieber and we're seeing it happen to Miley Cyrus the same way we've seen it happen to these other pop stars. You know, there's the there's the possibility that they're doing a, a manipulation of a, of a sexy trick to get more famous or there's a possibility that they're just young people who are lost in this freaking tidal wave of fame mm-hmm. I don't know uh, speaking of intimate audiences one of my favorite ways to do magic is smaller venues you know I love oh, close up magic that's my favorite way that's to watch best. magic I mean I tell people all the time that is just the best of that that and the close-up room of the Magic Castle was great when we went there, but I love it with a guy who's going table to table, you know, where you are just having this. Um, it's not financially satisfying, I'm sure, but, man, it is so great. I did that for nine years back in Minnesota, working restaurants. Uh-huh. Table. That's where I really developed, you know, a lot of my voice and some of the material I still do to this day. And it mm-hmm. was just great. I'm doing an intimate show. Can I tell you about it? Yeah. The Hotel Casa del Mar. Uh, right here. Right in here, Santa Monica. In Santa Monica. And our first show is January 26, 2014. And uh-huh. uh, tickets are available on DerekHughes.net through Eventbrite. 
DerekHughes.net. I want to I find out afterwards about Eventbrite because that's how we did the tickets for our okay. benefit show that you were in that benefit show for, yeah. for my kids' school. Which and, was packed. That was great. And, it was, and you were awesome. Thank you. Um, but so it's, if you live in the Los Angeles area, it's Casa Del Mar, which is in Santa Monica. It's a hotel. And where? what's the actual venue well, this for the show? This is amazing. It's intimate. It's uh, The maximum seating in the room is 50. It's in the Crimson Room uh-huh. at this beautiful uh, beautiful hotel. January? January 26th is the first one, and we're doing it twice a month. Uh, and it's an ongoing thing. DerekHughes.net. Look, I'm going to try. The I'm show's a- called Insomnia. Insomnia. And they do... Uh, what time is it on? Is it's it at like- 6 p.m. Uh, it's, it's not so much that it's a late-night thing. It's more like... As a magician, what I show you will keep you pondering late into the evening. Yeah. Oh, I wish I could. I'm going to be in Canada. I'm going to be in Edmonton, Canada well, that I'll weekend. I'll invite but you as a guest, you know, during the run. You know, yeah, I definitely want to come. I definitely want to come and see that. I encourage anybody. This is so exciting to me. I am the sponsor of this show, and now I am sponsoring. You are one of my Wonderful. sponsors Please. of this show. I will you've, got to, you've got to go see Derek at this this show, DerekHughes.net, so you can check upcoming. If you can't go January 26th of the Casa Del Mar here in There's Santa a calendar Mar. on my website, and there's a, the show is called Insomnia, and it's uh, two Sundays a month, ongoing, and uh, you can click on that, and it'll bring you to Eventbrite, and you'll get the ticket information. They do a, an hour of, it includes a valet and a drink, and they do hors d'oeuvres, and it's... Uh, Cover the, charge, valet... One drink and hors d'oeuvres are all one price. That's right. Valley parking. So, and what is that price? Fifty-five. Fifty-five dollars for, for that. You're getting your car parked. You're getting a drink. You're getting the cover charge to the show, and you're getting hors d'oeuvres. And there is no rule that says you can't eat those hors d'oeuvres for dinner. You could go nuts, right? With or hors stick around and have dinner there. They got a great sushi bar upstairs. The place, you know, with a view of the ocean. It's a gorgeous place. It's my favorite hotel. When I when the opportunity came up, I was like, this is awesome. Because I was on the road a bunch doing colleges through the uh-huh. fall. And Charlene and I, my beautiful wife, we were talking so much. We got two little kids. And it really kind of sucked. I mean, you know what it is to be a dad. It's tough on the, the road. road. It's and, tough on the road. You miss your family. Uh, and I don't know how many days you go out a month. But I, I only go two weekends. And I still find it a little bit lonely, lonesome, challenging. But, you know, that's why they call it a job. That's the thing, though, about our job is... There is have to and want to mm-hmm. in it all, at all times. And I really just try and focus on the want to and keep the have to in a little tiny box. And only peek in there, man. Don't let that, don't open that box. Because when you do, the have to gets out and it starts chasing you around that hotel room. You're all by yourself. It'll make you miss your kids. Well, we just audited a, uh, a preschool. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And got their monthly rate, so have to opened up that day. I was like, yeah. Where's more have to? I need more have to. You know what? I, well, when we're done, I'll tell you about my my daughter's preschool because because it's really great and it was maybe more economical right down the street from here. Um, how long have we been talking? Do you know? I don't know. Uh, it was it was so great though being on the road and Charlene and I talking. Hey, I turned this off. Yeah. Um, something local. And then uh, this, this. Yeah, how did it? How did up. it come up? Were they? You know, a, a friend of a friend. Um, I'm good buddies with these guys who wrote a magic show called. Uh, they created a magic show together. My friend Derek uh, wrote it, and uh, my friend Helder was the uh, magic uh, uh, 
a choreographer on it, and they're two master magicians. I mean, oh, and what's that called? Nothing to hide, and it was at the Geffen for. A, is that the one that was just in New York? That it's just, still there. It's been extended. You flew out. You just flew out to go, go see it, see right? Because because yeah. I was working with a magician who knew you on that corporate gig. That's right, Bill Hers. I mean, Bill Hers. Yeah. He just he just brought like sixty people to see the show last week or something to see nothing to hide. Yeah, in yeah. New York. Um, and the people at this hotel had seen nothing to hide and uh, have been fans of magic for years and years and have wanted to do a magic show at the hotel and just they've tried different things and nothing's been the perfect fit and uh, I was introduced through these guys they they wanted they wanted to see if nothing to hide would do their show at the hotel and they were like, uh, we're gonna go do Broadway instead so yeah um, yeah but uh, maybe I'll try and see if I'm gonna be in New York editing my special in January. So oh, if maybe you can I'll see, see if I can nothing, go to see nothing to Hide. Yeah, yeah. and it, at Nothing to Hide NYC, I think, is their Twitter handle, and it's uh, it's off the hook. Neil Patrick Harris directed that show, yeah. and it is just Is he still great. the president to the Magic yeah. Castle? he's our reigning uh, our reigning uh, patriarch? Modern? I think that's true. I think president. patriarch. I think patriarch. it's patriarch. patriarch. President. Yeah, president's probably right. Patriarch. I don't know. That sounds a little. I say hail to the chief when I see him. Is that that's a that's a presidential thing? Uh huh. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can't say sup n word. Oh man, he's done so much to help too. I mean, it's just great to have his energy and presence over there. He's a huge him. magic fan. I heard him on. He's uh, a great magician. I heard him on the Nerdist podcast talking about magic and the Magic Castle thing, and yeah, it's awesome. Awesome. Did you check the time? I mean, I did. Technically, we've been at we've been talking for an hour. I know you've got somewhere else to go. I'd love to have you come back and talk to me yeah, again. I look forward to it, man. This was a really fun conversation. We did a little bit. Of, well, we did a lot of things, right? We had some biography. We had some magic talk. We wore we many got in, hats during we this got conversation. We got into fame. We talked about hats. Um, and uh, what do you got coming up that we can tell people? Oh, I usually do my plug at the beginning, but I'm oh, going okay. to Gotham Comedy Club in New York City the first week in January, and then at the end of January, I can't go to your show at the Casa Del Mar because I'm going to be in Edmonton at the West Edmonton Mall at the Comic Strip. Oh, great. It's super cold there, super cold, and you stay in the hotel where the Comic Strip is. It's sort of a fun gig because it's like you're in a spaceship that's a shopping mall. It's like, like what a if space we, station. What if we were go? Yeah, what if we were going to another planet in a mall? That's what it feels like awesome. when you're doing that gig. So the shows are fun, and then you spend the week in the mall. I usually buy a pair of jeans. And all the food is freeze-dried? Is that? No, it's regular delicious oh, okay. mall food. Okay, so delicious not mall space food. journey, but... Yeah, no. No, but the mall has those uh, big kind of dome-like uh, Victorian... Uh, what do you call it? Where they Skylines. have a lot of plants. Botanical oh. garden. The roof has Terrarium. these big... Victorian Botanical Garden skylights that are kind of half covered with snow so you can see the white cloud covered wow. sky and the snow and then the sun is kind of peeking in and then there's music and people are they have an ice rink in there they have a uh, Is this the one that rivals the Mall of America yeah, as yeah. the largest mall in the universe? Yes. They wow. have a, they have an ice rink in there and then they have a beach there's a like like a a wave pool with a beach so it's it the, the first time I went there, which was a few years ago, it was 20 below the whole time. That was the max the high t- during the day. It got up to 20 below. And so people come and then park and then go and swim in this indoor wave pool and ice skate and shop and go to the comedy club and, and hang out and live. 
and live. live. And they're so tough. These fucking Canadians. We do not ever want to go to war with Canada because they are tough, man. They come and they park in the parking lot in the mall, which is outdoors, but obviously it's roofs. But there's no walls, so it's as cold as however it is outdoors. And they'll park in there and just wear a light... Like a light jacket, like a fall day jacket, because they don't want to be walking around the mall in their parka. Right. So, but that means when they got to go home, they got to go back out to their car and just in their light jacket. I mean, if anything goes wrong between the mall and their house, they're dead. Because I'm, I'm assuming they have some giant parka in the car. But uh, yeah, that's my adventure. And then while I'm in New York, I'm going to edit my special, so I'm doing that. Did you shoot it? Yeah, I shot it last weekend oh, in, in Cleveland. It was great. We had a, we had great shows. And awesome. Uh, yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing that. I'm going to show it to you. <laughs> In a way that's where you don't feel like you have to watch it. Great. Okay. Do you want to have coffee or something? Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Do you like a high five? I usually like a high five. Let's high five. Well, how was it? How was it? Did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it. It's, I really like talking to Derek. We covered some ground, right? We got all over the place. We got all up in it. I've summarized, I did it and I summarized it. You heard it already. But now let me tell you about Derek. Now let me tell you about Derek Hughes.net. D-R-E-K-H-U-G-H-E-S.net. I don't need to spell net for you. What do I think you are? A moron? I know, I know you know how to spell net. Insomnia at the Casa Del Mar is the name of his show. You can follow Derek on Twitter at Hughes Magic, H U G H E S. Magic is M A G I C. That's right. That's, there's not a J in magic. Don't be a jerk. There's a J in jerk. But that's not for us. That's not for us. Tis the season to be jolly. I'm so, I'm so, I'm so jolly with delight. <laughs> about the holiday season and i'm also a little bit delirious with the delight because i've got my in-laws visiting and we're all going to be spending a couple days in the desert so the desert is not cold it's not hot right now it's cold it's cold in the desert we're going to go out there to swim in a heated pool why i don't know i don't know i don't know why we're doing that but that's what it's like to be with your family at the holidays you do what they tell you to do, except for right now, which I'm doing what I want to do. And I'm not telling you what to do, but I would like you to have a happy holiday. Merry Christmas, everybody. Um, I'll be back. I got one more episode, Christmas Eve. That's exciting, right? Christmas Eve. It's the day before Christmas, and that's when I'm going to be coming out with my next episode. It's Christmas Eve, not Christmas Steve. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Okay. Don't give up. There'll be plenty of time to give up later. Yeah.